to see you, Doug. It's been way long, dude. Yeah. All right. First, we'll kick it off by saying this is episode number 50, or sorry, 60 of Vomiting Rainbows. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's a, a darker news podcast with my co-host, Mike Nelson, who is yeah. an alumnus of the podcast. Your moniker is No Name. You're known yeah. from your radio background and your TV background, as well as your infamous band, The Flames. That's right. <laughs> I just saw Rich the other day, man, and this is crazy. I don't know what the website is because I don't pay attention to this stuff, but uh, the entire discography of The Flames is up on some website now where you can listen to like all like 26 songs that we recorded. That's and awesome. I, I, like, one of the dudes in the band sent me this link that I haven't talked to in forever, and I was listening to it, and I'm like, dude, like some of these songs are pretty rad. Like I was like, this is pretty cool. Dude, it's you'll cool. have to... You know, like, it, it might not be super cool, but it was probably cooler than what a lot of people were doing 20 years ago. You know it, what I mean? like, it would be epic if on that same link you could put some of your show live. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, the, the thing with the Flames was it was more of an experience. Uh, and as you told me, your, your goal was to play a show as long as you could before the venue kicked you out for your pyrotechnics and, or starting a fire. <laughs> yeah, we would usually get through about four songs before the drum heads would melt. So yeah. it was kind of, more like, it was an art movement. I mean, I, you know, like I'm old enough and mature enough now to reflect back on it. It was definitely like, you know, art, you know, there, it, you know, it wasn't very political. It wasn't very musical. It was, it was more about the artistic statement and the power of fire, you know, exactly. but it was crazy to hear those songs, dude. I mean, like, I was like, wow, this is nuts. And we had some good guitar players in the band. The drummer sucked. <laughs> um, that was me. Yeah. But, uh, but some of the songs, were, I was kind of stoked and it made me feel ancient because I was like, wow, that was really 20 years ago. Like, I was like, wow. And well, there's not even music made like that anymore. I mean, like nobody, like nobody's doing that. Like no one's in a band. You no. know, like what's that? No, I, I, yeah. even even music is now almost all done remotely. Like yeah. I have I have friends who are in bands that are working over Zoom now. Well, we got to keep producing yeah. or playing. What I want to know, Doug, and, and, I, and I know you have some insight because you're like a tech dude is like, why did Skype go away, but Zoom all of a sudden thrived? Like, wasn't Skype the Zoom for like 15 years? And all of a sudden, like when this hit, that thing just got kicked to the curb and then like everyone, everyone's Zoom crazy, right? Like the, the reason that Zoom took off was Zoom is really geared towards meeting and meeting management. And mm -hmm. so you can have multiple, it's really geared towards multiple participants and sharing your screen whereas Skype was really geared towards like one-on-one -on -one conversations, but Skype really missed a huge opportunity. They dropped yeah. the ball and they're trying to get it back. They've been doing, like they sponsored The Daily Show and Trevor Noah's using it for all of his interviews and things like that. But it's just yeah. not as, like right now, while I'm recording, I, I'm recording this and it will dump the audio, the video and the video and audio all as one. So it's very easy to, transform it edit it like all the things that you would need to do for kind of commercial editing so it, it it's just right out it's of the a box. way cooler name i said it's a way cooler name too like zoom it just sounds cooler it's like yeah. an energy drink kind of you know like it's yeah like i want to be on zoom yeah it's super easy so it works and for people who don't know about the podcast i tell mike three stories that he's heard nothing about and then he spits them back in a beautiful processed rainbow of just disturbed nature um also, just so you know, it's been three years since you did the last vomiting rain. And that was that's the, crazy. That's when, uh, to give you an idea, that was actually, it's our three year anniversary of since you were on the podcast, because it was in June of 2017. 
and it's when Joe took over when you had uh, more combined work that you were doing. And the big story at the time was R. Kelly. And R. Kelly, he was just indicted on all of these allegations of rape and pedophilia. And then now he is been in jail for one year and he is hmm. looking for relief to get out for COVID while he awaits trial in the fall. So that's, yeah. Yeah. that's that shows you how fast the court system is. I'm trying to think of like what 2017 was even like. Like, I, like I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering that year. It's like, what was that? Like, what was the, what was the benchmark of 2017? Like, what was that year? What's, what's that you're going down in history for? Was there like, I have no idea. Like, I can't even think back that far. I can't even think back to like Australian fires. Australian fires seemed like a hundred years ago. Yeah, after the current pandemic, I think that's like, a, like there's definitely like a time distortion that everyone's experiencing. And it's like, like uh, the shelter in place currently has been like a hundred and something days here in the Bay Area. And it seems like, in some ways it seems like a week, in other ways it seems like a decade. Yeah. You know, it's like there's definitely like a time, some type of space-time continuum is being altered uh, you know, just by, by going through this experience. So it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely bizarro. The world yeah, is definitely weird. I, I think it seems it's like a simpler time back in 2017. Yeah, it was a crazier time. If I, if I had yeah. told you uh, that you wouldn't do the show for three years and that it would still be going in three years, I don't know which you would find harder to believe. And then if you found out that the whole world was shut down by a pandemic. It doesn't surprise me that the show's still going because I think within episode three you had t-shirts made yeah so your dedication no doug is commendable it's admirable and it's it's never ceasing so that doesn't surprise me at all because i know you're the type of guy when you when you commit to something you go all in other like your flaky friend here where i'm like this is cool i don't know man i can't handle this this takes up a lot of time this is i can't do this you know what i well, mean after like five episodes if i if i had had zoom back then it would have made things so much easier if i if i had known that it was that easy to have people on why don't we jump into one of the first stories? And the first story we're going to talk about is, I don't know if you've heard, you've obviously followed like TikTok, and I don't know if you've heard of Randonautica. No. Randonautica? Yeah, like Randonauts. No, nah, man. What, what, do you, what does that speak to to you? What do you think well, of? Well, I like to think about, like when I hear the, the, the term Randonautica, I think of two things. I either think of like a bunch of dudes, right, who like live in vans that are like, like hella stoners named Randy, like the, the guy who started this lifestyle is Randy. And they got these killer old conversion vans, but they've taken it to the next level where they have these vintage like kind of speed boats where they all go to like rivers and lakes and like water ski and like drink a lot of Coors Light. And it's kind of like this subculture of like nautical and like horny dudes in vans and like kind of like a 70s throwback shag carpet type of thing. Like, right. like that's what I want Rando Nautico to mean. Kind of like this kind of like machismo kind of van speedboat water skiing lake life type of thing you know that, that that's what i want it to be but that's I what, unfortunately it isn't that but it's still pretty cool so what rando knots are are there's an app that you can get for your phone uh it's rando nautica and you basically you're supposed to think of something that you want personally like a goal in life or something that you want to find for that day and then you press a series of things on the randonautica and then it gives you a random point and a proximity to you and then you're supposed to go explore that point and it 
will help guide you to what you're looking to find. So, so if I want like crack, right? Like I right. type in like crack and it tells me where the local crack dealer is. Like what kind of algorithm, if we're to that level, Doug, with technology, shouldn't we just turn the power grid off and go home? Like, I mean, it's, if we're literally to that point where it's that, like the algorithms and the, and the knowledge and the, you know, all those cars driving by with cameras has gotten the data to that dialed in where I can pick up my phone and say like, I want a burnt grilled cheese sandwich. It'll be like, go to this restaurant. Like, where do we go from there? Like, let's just stop it already. Like, what, like we don't need Zoom anymore. Like, let's just shut it down. We've reached the peak of the internet. We've reached the peak of technology. We don't need to go to Mars. We don't need to spend any more time on electricity. Like, let's just shut it down. Kind of like that, except for this is more like in the, uh, I almost think of it as like geocaching type thing where people are looking, playing a game or having fun and they just want to do something random and explore some part of the area of the, the, that they live in that they haven't been to. But a lot of people are like, I want to find something weird. And then they do their rando thing and they get their point. And then they go explore this area and they find like a door and a wall. And they're mm -hmm. like, this is just bizarre. Or one guy said that he was looking for a UFO and ended up in a trailer park where a guy had written UFO symbols on his trailer. You know, just do you think these kind of things like the door on the wall and the spray paint of UFO, do you think these are set up by the people behind Randonautica, right? So it's kind of cool. Like it's like, or is this literally just, you know, a massive database of weird shit that someone's plugged into an algorithm? No, I think I think it's just random points that come out and it was something kind of funny that somebody came up with to get people out and exploring. But question. Uh-huh. Is this user fed? So, like, if I'm sitting down at the Salton Sea, hanging out around a slab city, I can put all the weird stuff I see and kind of fill the random machine, if you will. Uh, no, it's nothing like that at all. It just, I, in fact, I think it just takes the words that you put in and uses those as, like, they're, they're supposed to go into a quantum number generator that, like, puts out a random point that helps it determine the random point, but nothing specifically mm. that you're looking for. So it seems to me like if this was crowdsourced, right, this would be an improvement on this because then you would be getting like unlimited data points, right? And it's basically like a twisted Google, right? right. Like you type in whatever you want and it's like real. Right. Right. So it could it be that. Not random. <laughs> but according to the people behind it, it's completely random. And on the app, you're just supposed to think of it while you press the button. <laughs> You don't put anything in. Wait a minute. You just think? Yeah, you just think. And it like gears it that way. So it's apparently while you think of it, that influences the quantum generator that gives you your point. So basically, it's a random point in an Sounds area. Like and then you kind of guide yourself to the weird thing that you're looking for. <laughs> That's kind of disappointing to hear. Because what that means is that like they probably took a small sample size of like you know 100 people and said what's the most random thing you can think of right and so it became statistically significant and it just shows that we really have a limited capacity for the weird stuff that we want to seek like there's probably only maybe 35 things and they've isolated these random 35 things and that's it so this well, is basically sounds like something that's amazing but it really is just it's reinforcing the fact that we're pretty much predictable well yeah so to give you an idea of these teams were, these TikTok teams were just like out and they were like 
goofing around and they rando nodded a point in Seattle. And that point took them to the, to the shore of Seattle. And they were just looking around the shore. And while they were looking around, one of the TikTokers uh, started filming a TikTok in which his name was Ugg Henry. And they came across a suitcase on the shore. And they decided to, they decided that they were excited because they thought it might be filled with money. So they went up and no. opened, they opened the suitcase and a Stop. horrible stench. Stop. Stop. <laughs> a Does, horrible doesn't stench. anyone watch horror movies anymore? Hold on. <laughs> doesn't anyone watch horror movies? Have you seen that movie Seven? Like, I mean, you know what's in the suitcase. The bo- you know what's in the box. What's in the box? Yeah. <laughs> doesn't anyone watch movies anymore? Yeah. So I don't know why they thought it would be money. That I think was probably a optimistic viewpoint, but it was a very putrid smell. And then I thought I thought it was cute that their next assumption was that it was a bunch of old food. And then they decided to call the police immediately. The police came, they cordoned off the area. It was a dead body that had been shoved in the trash bag and then put into the suitcase. <sighs> and then they also started searching the area and found several other trash bags with body parts in it as well. And so <laughs> that's kind of where it is right now. They, the police determined that they didn't want to give out more information about what was going on until they have more. This was only last week. So this is very, very new. Although one thing that was odd is the night before the suitcase was found, the Coast Guard had been sent to that same area to find a boat in distress. And the boat had, they said it wasn't in distress, it had just become unmoored and that they were taking it back to the dock and tying it back up. But just weird kind of things in that area as well is that it's directly across from the port of Seattle. So this is like, bad shit always happens in ports. I just, just yeah. yeah. It's, We've it's, seen all the movies, the mafia. So we'll definitely be getting well, and more. And that's the thing that's interesting. About, the thing that's interesting about it, Doug, is that when you when you drop a suitcase, right, like in a with a body in it, like you want that. They wanted that to be found, right? Because otherwise, you would throw them some weights in it, some concrete, some bricks, so it would sink to the bottom. We've all seen Dexter, right? I mean, yeah. We we so, all know that if you put a body in a bag, it's going to come to the surface without any weight. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we've all seen CSI at this point. Yeah, so to me, this this is something like you know, this is a, this is this is kind of like someone that wants this to be found for whatever reason, whether they're sending a message, you know what I mean? Like, they, like if I was gonna put on my detective hat, you got to identify the body. Is it random? Are they connected? You know, like all that stuff. This, not ironically, but this was something that happened in San Francisco years ago. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Um, sometime between sometime in the 90s, it was in Golden Gate Park, and and for like a couple weeks in Golden Gate Park, they were finding body parts in trash cans, like like an arm and like a head and like a leg and like and like for weeks, like multiple bodies. Somebody was um, disposing of them in the trash cans at Golden Gate Park. Oh my god! And, and it was like a two week thing. Everyone was freaking out, and then it was like there was no. Closure. It was just kind of like it just stopped happening. Everyone was like, oh, "Okay, like that was a thing." And I remember, like, I lived right near Golden Gate Park at the time, and I was like, 
where like where's the follow-up like why did the reporter who was covering the story just stop reporting on it like where's the end of this you know right there just never was no i i think you and i did an episode where there was like a uh a guy found in a suitcase in the tenderloin like a while ago it was like maybe three or four years ago and i mean you probably blacked out that entire time because there's a lot of dark things that are on the podcast, but it was, yes. it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting. Um, there was also no real follow-up on that. It turned out that it was like a fight between one homeless guy and another guy. And there was a suitcase in proximity. So he killed him and just stuffed him in. So I think like that's, hard to do. it seems like that'd be really hard to do. I, yeah, I also though I feel like the suitcase is the crime is like the the crime of opportunity type thing where when somebody does a crime of passion against someone else and then they decide that then they've made a, a horrible decision to kill that person and they don't know what to do. They look over and there's their suitcase and they're like, I'll just take them out and put them in the suitcase and dispose yeah. of the suitcase. It's just like the because it's the most inconspicuous thing that you could be walking out of your house with. So what you're saying is like nobody plans on a suitcase. No one's no. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like okay. the amateur crime. It's like the sign of a spur of the moment amateur crime. Mm -hmm. Like, and in, in the mob, when we're talking about the mafia, the mafia does a really good job of getting rid of a body if they want to, and and like yeah. if they if they want it more known or found, then it's like displayed in a like very public way. So it's, yeah. it's not one of those things that they put in a suitcase, throw in the water and hope it sinks like that scenario. But hmm. I'll keep following it. I'll let you know. I'll give you a text and let you know exactly what's going on. Or maybe we'll have a follow up with you to see what, what happened with this event. But we will have an update next on our next story. So you hadn't really heard of anything to do with Lori Vallow, but to give you an idea of a real kind of short summary of what Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell were involved in. I'll sum it up for you. And then you're probably going to have to let me know points of clarification for you because this is convoluted. There is Got it. So, so much going on here. It is ridiculous. And you can't honestly, this will be a movie because you cannot make this stuff up. Lori was married to this guy, Charles Vallow. Charles and Lori had two, had two children, and they were going through a divorce because he felt that she was becoming unhinged. And, mm. she blamed, and he blamed that on this guy, Chad Daybell, who he was sure she was having an affair with, but he didn't really have any evidence of this. Charles came to get... Uh, their two children from Lori's house and apparently according to her brother uh, Lori's brother um, he got very violent and then he had he had to kill Chad Daybell or killed him in an altercation with him and that's how Chad died so she got custody of the kids, but the kids were there at the time that uh, Charles was killed. So that'll become mm. relevant later. Um, then probably uh, a few weeks after that, 
Alex, her brother, OD'd. So now we've got two people dead. Also, Lori's first husband mysteriously died before he married, or before she married Charles. So she's got Mm -hmm. three dead people in her proximity already. So this is- How old are her kids? uh, They're, one is uh, like nine, I think, and the other is like 17. Okay. So, and the daughter, Tylee, is the older one. JJ, I think, is the younger one. So this is where things get really, really bizarre. She then apparently goes with Chad and and moves to Chad's home, where Chad is married to his wife. And mm. Chad Daybell's wife also mysteriously dies around that around that time as well. And then Chad kind of moves on to marrying Lori and a and a like a getaway romantic wedding in Hawaii. At this point, the family of Charles is really concerned about the kids because they haven't heard from the two children. And mm-hmm. so they do a wellness check on the two children. And they are, Lori refuses to let the police see the children. Mm. No one has heard that's from the ne- children. That, 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 that's never a good sign. No. Like, like, anytime you're in a wellness check, when they're like, sorry, you can't see that person. Like, it's, it's like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did you see that movie? Yes. The Tarantino movie? When he goes and checks on that dude, and they're like, you can't go see him. He's taking a nap. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, mean, that means further investigation is needed. Right. So obviously this is this is is disconcerting to the police and very concerning to the family. And it starts to make major news at this point. So I don't know if you remember around this time you heard of the it it was all over the news when they were in Hawaii, the police were looking for the children. And she said they were fine, but no one could find them or reach them by phone or anything. And you have uh, teenage children who you know there is no way you cannot reach your child via some yeah. method. And no one was able yeah, I'm, to reach I'm, 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 Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if you're between the ages of nine and 20 years old, like you, like the phone is basically attached to your hand you know, 24, seven, 365. I mean, you don't like that. You know, you may put it down when you shower, maybe, maybe, maybe. And, and, and even now they're waterproof. So it doesn't even matter. They probably will. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure there are a lot of, uh, of the, the, the kids these days that are probably talking in the shower as well. So her two, after her two children went missing, um, and they went to Hawaii, um, and they got married, the police told them they needed to come back and they had a time frame to provide proof of life of these two kids, that they were okay and that they were healthy and well. And Lori then said um, that she was trying to keep them away from Charles's family because they were, Charles's family was trying to hurt them. So, Mm. So that was kind of her excuse behind this. But let me mention a couple of things about Charles. Charles, or not Charles, Chad. Chad is a doomsday book writer who 
also apparently could read people's souls um, and tell if they were of course. a darker light soul. They're also yeah. That's how that, that, Doug. Doug, that's how you get the chicks. That's I mean, I heard that's, that's like that's like the number one thing. Besides, besides like having a job and money, you, you say that you can read souls. That's that's like that's happening. That's a new thing. People are into it. That's the way to go. Um, Lori, yeah. uh, Lori also was a devout Mormon. So was Chad, um, and she felt that she was helping to usher in the second coming, and she also thought she was a divine spirit. Now, remember, early, early on when I told you about the story that um, I said that Charles divorced or was getting a divorce from Lori because of she was getting a little nutty. Um, yeah. It, it turns out that Chad had told Lori that Charles was a dark spirit and Lori thought her two children were zombies. So this is the this is the question where this story leads. Um, at what point is methamphetamine involved? Because these are all the telltale signs, Doug, of somebody who is who has lost connection with the reality due to heavy drug use. So is 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 there a is there a, a drug twist here or? I I haven't this... heard the drug twist, but it honestly wouldn't surprise me. I don't mm. think there was a lot of drug action going on here because they're so mm. Mormons. If they're devout Mormons, they they don't even have caffeine. So, well, that's what I'm saying. So the effect would even be more dramatic, right? Like if it's your run of a mill American who's kind of like you know smoking weed and drinking beer and whiskey and dropping some acid and doing some coke, you know, like they're a little bit more accustomed to dealing with 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 you know narcotics. But if all right. of a sudden you're kind of straight and narrow, you don't drink. And then you start smoking the meth. This is where that you know this, this just sounds very methy to me. It, it does sound it it sounds incredibly methy. And we've done some stories. Like I, like I, I think I, I think I've had these same exact conversations with people that believe the same exact thing that these people believe in, riding the thirty muni bus through Chinatown. Like I like I I'm pretty sure I've met these people before. Little little itchy, a little scratchy all the time. But yeah, uh, after Lori fled to Hawaii, they the the police in Hawaii then. Uh, were summoned, they, the Washington police, where they were, came to Hawaii and demanded that either she would be arrested if she did not produce the two children, which she refused to do. Now, the big thing that's like perplexing about this whole case is that during this entire time, her, Lori's family is saying the kids are probably fine, there's nothing wrong here. Everybody's making a big deal out of nothing. Mm. And Charles's family is like, we have a, a dead sibling and we have two missing children. You guys are insane. And the whole, yeah. the, the news is just following this like incessantly because they know, like they know much like you and I know that there's no way that you can't get in touch with these kids. And the fact that you can't do that is a very, very bad sign. So when did this happen? This happened. This, this has been going on for almost a year and a half. So to, to give you an idea, it was about a month ago that Lori was extradited from Hawaii and put in jail uh, for defying the court order of showing or, or producing the two children. So last Ugh. week, last, last, I think it was like last Monday or Sunday, investigative uh, arm that's in charge of this case went into Chad's house 
and I think they had specific information because they went to, I think, by his shed and started digging. And that's where they found the two kids. And they are not. Uh, uh, so, uh. yeah. So when they descended on the house, the whole world became attentive to the story again. Um, they found the daughter's remains were dismembered and burned and buried with signs of torture. And that's as far as they will really say. Uh, JJ was also found, and I think they said that he had a bag over his head and was buried um, in some sort of bag. Um, but all of this tends to lead towards that whole they are zombie type thing and burying them. Um, but, yeah. but the other thing that's kind of in this whole story is that that day that chad daybell also he didn't he wasn't like a cult leader but they definitely had like a group of friends that hung out all together and some mm. of those friends were in the house the last night that the two children were seen alive and they admitted that like the kids were like kind of all over the place and so probably what happened like literally that, yeah they were just like running all over the place and yeah. so my guess this, this i mean this is the kind of story too like when you think about like this this part of the story obviously it's a horrific story but you think about the guy who's really lonely that doesn't have any friends and he's a good guy and he's like trying to make friends and for whatever reason no one likes him right but he's never right. done anything bad these are the kind of stories where like like chad had friends chad had people hanging out at his house watching the game chad had people over for game night right right like chad had friends but you know what i mean and then there's like some dude who like you know just is lonely and has no friends and he's like how does like you got, dude you got to start a cult that's like your thing i guess yeah so you gotta you gotta go far out wacky and and then then you get the friends who are like this guy's crazy i'll hang with him like this is this is gonna be entertaining no one ever thinks that it's, I, I don't know how people don't think that fringe people aren't going to somehow end up in murder because there's never a case that it doesn't go bad at some point when people are talking about their doomsday cult ideas. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just kind of one of those things that you, I don't know when you learn it, but you kind of learn it. Like when you're, you know, when you're walking down the street and the guy comes up to you and starts talking about like, you know, aliens and zombies and dark souls, like, yeah. you know, you know, to kind of like, you know, you know, you might give the guy a dollar and be like, all right, man, cool, dude, good luck. You know what I mean? Um, but you kind of know to stay away from people like that. Like, you, you know, like you kind of like if someone comes up to you and is like, your kids are zombies and they're serious, it's like, get away from my kids, dude. Right. I mean, like, like, like these things, you know, are kind of intuitive uh, when you're a human being, especially if you're a parent. Right. Like, you're, you know, your 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 gut instinct should be to protect your children. Um, and so, if, you know, if you meet someone, you know, I understand people are lonely and, and, you know, if you're going through a divorce or whatever, your ex-husband got murdered or you murdered your ex-husband, you know, you're lonely. But it's like, you know, when you, the, the guy who's like on Tinder is like, I see through dark souls and I'm looking for a woman with zombie kids. Like, that's not like, that's not the way you want to go. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not, that's not the direction of normalcy. Just, you know, it, it's sad that we have to put that out there in such plain English but it, it's it's safe to say ladies that when you meet the guy who's like I, I I can see the dark souls and doomsday's right around the corner 
and there's people in your family that are zombies and I can protect you. That's not the dude. It yeah, does you not. definitely want to swipe left on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so not I, the, the other thing that uh, I think you're, we're going to find out a lot more about as this trial starts and as it goes on um, is that there, there are other people who were there at the time that this occurred that part, had to participate. Because right now, the only people who are under arrest are Chad and Lori. And Chad was free as of last week. And he just got arrested like towards the end of the week. And these kids have been gone missing forever. And, and they just have that information now. And all these <clears throat> other people who were like adjunctly involved have all been saying that the kids are fine. They know they're fine, that Lori would never hurt them. So I think we're going to find more and more as this goes to trial that this was probably, I think what happened is Lori wanted to, to have sole custody of the kids and wanted uh, Charles out of her life for good. So she, she had her brother kill him. And then the kids, the, the older child, the 17-year-old daughter, probably started saying like, I'm going to tell people that you killed mm. my, uh, mm. my dad. And mm -hmm. she like finally had enough of that and then probably killed the daughter out of this dark soul theory. And, and mm. then, the, then probably the son had to go as well. But the easier scenario would have been just to let Charles have the two children and go off with Chad like a normal person. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's a, uh, that's an interesting, yeah. Like, like you didn't want the kids anyway. Right. Clearly. Why? Yeah. That's uh, well, you know, you know, I, like I said, I mean, you know, you, you hear a horrific story like this, you try to make sense of, of something this, this dark and demented and logic normally doesn't, you know, no. doesn't, doesn't go well with the stories. Like what, what, what should have happened and what happened are, are uh, you know, two different things and therefore the story. Yeah. So I'm going to end this on a very porn note because nothing's better than, than talking about porn after talking about two kids that were unfortunately murdered. Let's talk about Ron Jeremy. You know all about the hedgehog, the porn star who says that he's yep. been with more women than Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah. He has been charged with sexual assault of four women. So yeah. I, I, I'm sure you've seen this in the news. It's, it just kind of came out recently. Um, but there, this is not, uh, to, to people uh, in the adult film industry, this is not a surprise because he has um, been known as somewhat of a uh, bad, bad person in the industry for, for quite some time. Um, there was a video that was posted, a 10-minute uh, video by a, a porn star named Ginger Banks where she details in 2017 all the evidence against uh, Ron Jeremy. And there was really no action taken from that. Um, hmm. the, the, uh, he had already at that point been banned from uh, industry events and parties because uh, he was too handsy for the industry. And so they just said that he, it was inappropriate to have him there. But he was still being uh, hailed as an icon in the industry and still being allowed to come to many industry events. 
Um, and he was even getting called out on Twitter all the time about uh, other actresses saying, I don't want to go to events where he will be. I want the event to sure. not have him there. And it's kind of, it's kind of a silenced part of the Me Too movement where because these actresses are in the adult industry, they're seen as willing participants in this groping or sexual assault, which is absolutely not the case. Um, but for some reason, um, it's taken less seriously than uh, actresses. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's, you know, that's a misunderstanding and an overlook based on society. I mean, just because someone does something sexual professionally doesn't mean there's not standards and doesn't mean that there can't be, you know, abuse happening. You know what I mean? And, and it's, you know, like, like to the simpleton that might seem like, wait, well, that's what, you know, like they're filming a rape scene. So what's the big deal? But that, you know, that's a very simple way to look at it. And the fact is, is, you know, believe it or not, like the porn industry is just that it's an industry and there are standards and, you know, uh, these types of abuses and, and, and this type of wrongdoing, I'm sure can happen and probably, just, you know, like this, this is a reality uh, of that industry. So, you know, I think that, you know, I think that anybody, um, you know, with any level of consciousness can separate, you know, the two and realize that, you know, calls of sexual abuse and misconduct, you know, no matter what the industry need to be taken seriously, right? And, you know, need to be dealt with. And it doesn't matter you know, who that is. Like if Ron Jeremy is like kind of like a legend in the industry, that doesn't mean that he gets safe harbor from, you know, from that type of behavior. I mean, that's, you know, like that's, that's, this isn't like, you know, this isn't a giant leap. This is, this is, you know, things that as a society we should be striving for. And, you know, if we're not going to take, you know, if we're not going to include sex workers you know, within the, in the conversation of, of abuse, then, then what, you know, like what, you know, you know, to me, it's like women should not be abused. Like no, what, whether, not- whether they're a kindergarten teacher or they're a porn star or, you know what I mean? Like, like, like it doesn't matter what they do for a living. It's not, a, not a reason. It's not an excuse. It's not a, uh, you know, it, it doesn't lessen the, the crime, you know? Right. And um, I, I, I think, I think when we, I think when society or, or people, delve into that world that's a really dangerous place to exist because what happens is the law applies to some people but not others you know and and you know that's the reality for a lot of things going on in society right now right where like there's these double standards and what happens when there's double standards is you have injustice and and you know i think that there's one thing that's going on right now is that you know people are realizing that um there shouldn't be those double standards when it comes to the law yeah and so one one of the big things was uh, that that everyone who said so that when the uh, when Ginger Banks put out her ten minute clip because she was it it just pushed her over to the edge when she was asked to be at an event she was receiving an award for uh, from a company that she worked with and the presenter was going to be Ron Jeremy and she said I don't want to be given an award by a creep. And yeah, um, and I feel like he's abused peop- other women in the industry, so I'm not going to accept the award if he's going to be the person there. And so they well, this actually, is, this is the, you know, this is the thing too you got to think about, uh, you know, and and the industry should know, like Ron Jeremy's got to be what, like sixty something years old, like, yeah, I mean, sixty seven. Yeah, like it's like, dude, like like if that's your go to guy, if that's the face of your industry. 
your industry is in trouble. Like it's time to, you know, it's time to shed, it's time to move on from that. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that dude, I think was a big guy in the seventies and eighties. Like, it's like, let's, you know, like I, I, his peak was, he was name dropped in a sublime song. Like, it's like, yeah. let's move on. Like sublime has been gone for 25 years. Like, like, like why is that dude even in the conversation? Like, especially if he's a creep, especially if he's breaking the law, especially if he's, you know, making people feel uncomfortable. It's like, you're telling me there's not like a, a better stud for the industry that they could be highlighting and giving, you know, presenting an award to someone who's relevant. Like, well, the, the you reason, know, that, that would be my two cents. Right. But the, the other thing is he's also the name that everyone knows when it, like no one could probably name another famous porn star other than Ron Jeremy. He's been in a bunch of B movies. He's been in countless music videos uh, doing cameos He's like the go-to kind of funny, kind of pathetic. Like he's the, it's like, if this guy can be a porn star, then any guy has a chance of getting laid in the future. Like this guy mm. is clearly not an attractive man. And somehow he has amassed all of these women and these roles in these pornos. And so that it's like the common man syndrome, but mm. Um, so, and, and one of the things of him being an icon is that a lot of women didn't want to come forward because they would be seen as going against the in, uh, industry and the industry, much like Hollywood and Weinstein, uh, Weinstein, he like, they just didn't feel like it would behoove them to speak out. Um, and so, uh, one, one girl who, uh, is not in the industry. So he was there two high profile times that he that he was profiled um, for assault. And one was a porn star that he went to Hawaii with. And she said that they went as friends, he took it as more, and then he sexually assaulted her in the shower. Um, hmm. Ron Jeremy says that that did not happen. And he has photos of them together afterwards. Um, and so he says that that's not true. And the case was, was dismissed. Um, and then there was another time, uh, and that was in 2003, I think. Um, and then there was another time where a couple, a married couple, uh, went and, and met him in Vegas. And then he assaulted the wife and the husband, uh, then they both pressed charges. Um, and that also made the news, but also I guessing he paid these people off or something or settled out of court. Um, but then fast forward to now the, he has, uh, three allegations from women one and, uh, yeah, let's see. Um, the latest were three women where he forcibly raped them. And that was in 2014, 2017 and 2019. Um, and he's facing uh, 90 years uh, to life in prison, which at 60, 67 years old, almost any time that he get and he gets and most certainly he should get um, some pretty extreme time. I think you're, we're going to find out that that's only the tip of the iceberg as more mm -hmm. people start talking about the experience experiences that they've had with Ron Jeremy. One one. Um, a uh, trans woman uh, who is a, a singer uh, named Cat Black. She uh, goes to a bar in Hollywood 
And she said, Ron Jeremy constantly uh, would grope and try and molest her. And at one point he tried uh, to finger her in the bar and she's a, a, a pre-op transgender woman. And she was like, I'm a male or I have male parts. Like this is, I don't know what you're doing. And he didn't believe her. And then as he continued to try and explain to her that she was a woman and he was like, I, she's like, I'm not a woman, I'm transgender. You need to understand that. And finally he did. And he like kind of left her alone and didn't realize that that, I guess he was so drunk that he didn't realize that the, that, that had occurred. And then he would see her later or she, she would see him later at the same venue. And he would still constantly come up and try and grope and and assault her. And she, she just learned that you have to stay away from Ron Jeremy. Like she, she said, um, she has a whole video online about it. There's several hmm. um, uh, adult actresses who have now put videos up online, but she's not even an adult actress. She just happened yeah. to be around him. And so I think these, these other cases, the 20, uh, 20, 14, the 2017, the 2019 are all women who probably, I'm not sure if they were in the adult industry or not, but um, I think that's sadly what they're using to convict him because of, uh, because the industry has a stigma. Hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, uh, like, like I said earlier, like, you know, crime is crime. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know what I mean. And, and Ron Jeremy also, Ron, Ron Jeremy also was very. He was like, "Look, I don't do anything that women don't want to do, and they may have buyer's remorse or something like that." But he's he said that he is getting targeted unfairly, and that the women who come to these events expect him to be outlandish, expect him to be a porn star, and he plays the part. And so he's saying that they basically, they know what they're getting into, which is not uh, any yeah, excuse whatsoever. That, yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's, I don't even, I don't even, you know, that's not even considered logic at that point. That's no. just called trying to justify shitty behavior. You know, exactly. you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I don't, you know, that's, you know, yeah, that's crazy. Crazy so, talk. Wait, crazy I, talk. I hope, he spends, so, uh, hope he spends a good long time in prison. Yeah. So I, I think we'll be hearing more about that. So that'll be a follow-up for a later episode. But uh, I want to thank you for coming back to the show after a little bit of an absence. And uh, I'd love to have you on done. a follow-up later as well. But I, <laughs> I want to know, is there anything that you want to mention before we, before we sign off? Uh, man, I don't know. You know, I mean, I mean, these are definitely surreal times. Um, you know, I think the mind can wander to dark places. Uh, you know, doom and gloom. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's, there's just a lot, uh, there appears to be a lot of dark clouds and heaviness in the air um, with the pandemic and COVID-19. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think that it's a really interesting time to be alive. I think that when, you know, I talk to a lot of people and they're like, oh, 2020, worst year ever. Um, and I, you know, I, I tend to think that, with the things that we may come out of learning, you know, like, like growing from, from uh, shelter in place and the pandemic and not to mention, you know, the social justice and black lives matter. Um, you know, 
the impact that that's having on our society. I think that, you know, if the end of 2020, if we can honestly all look at ourselves in the mirror and say, we've learned how to wash our fucking hands. <laughs> right. And we have less fucking racists in the world. Um, maybe 2020 is like the best year we've had in a long, long time, you know? And, um, I think that that is where my head's at. And I think that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how things continue to develop, but I think that there's, there's a lot of, you know, if you kind of stop and, and think about what's going on, I think it, it's, even though, you know, it's, it's, ch it's a challenging time. Um, it's, it, this is a very, very interesting kind of crossroads that we're at as, as a country, as a civilization, as, a, as kind of a, you know, a point in humanity. And it's an amazing time to be alive. And, uh, and, and, and I just, you know, I just, I, I, I just want people to keep their heads up, man, and know that, uh, you know, I think things are going to work out and I think we're going to come out of this, uh, you know, better than ever. It might take a while, might take, a, might take a really long time, you know, but, um, but, but I, I do feel, I do feel, um, that even in a lot of negative light and a lot of, and a lot of negative circumstances that, that there can be a tremendous amount of good and a tremendous amount of change. And, um, yeah, man, that's kind of just a, a thought I want to throw out there, man, yeah. that, uh, you know, don't give up hope and, and stay positive, man. And, you know, understand that sometimes change, uh, isn't easy, you know, but maybe, maybe, maybe the, the change that's happening is a change that is needed for, for a purpose that, that we fully can't recognize right now. Right. And I, I think that's a great point. And, uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. I hope that these darker stories have taken your mind off of other things and uh, you feel a little bit better about yourself because you're not anything. Our listeners are none of these terrible people. Um, and uh, we welcome any of your comments, ideas. Contact us at contact at vomitingrainbows.com or find us on all social media at We Vomit Rainbows. Um, listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. I'm going to post a kind of get that link for the old flames songs and i'll put those up uh on our social <laughs> media so that people can can find those and rediscover the flames uh rate us and help us grow